0: Another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. How good is it to be in Melbourne at this time of year? Spring is my absolute favourite in Melbourne. All the cherry blossoms everywhere. It is just beautiful. What a time to be alive, eh? But how good is God's presence? You know, I... I love that we serve a God who sees every one of us. And tonight you, you could kind of feel that, you know, I'm not sure how much God really notices me. Like I'm probably just one of the crowd tonight. And does he really get me? And God just wants you to know the night that he sees you. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows your future. He knows your past. He knows your present. And he's a good guy. He can be trusted. And I, I just really felt I had a word for you, huh? the blonde girl right there. We met in the bathroom quickly. I am, um, I had a word for you that God wants you to know that He's safe, that He's not going to let you down, and that He's trustworthy. And I kind of had a picture of um, you being in this, um, in this kind of enclosure, and. Uh, it was very dark, but God was just chipping away. And uh, He was just chipping away, trying to get His love in. Chipping away, trying to let you know how much He cares for you, the purpose that He has for you. And He just wants you to know that He's safe. You can trust Him, you can give Him a go, and He's not going to let you down. And the girl that's next to her with the, the dark hair, I just really felt God say that He's got so much more. That whatever your pastors look like, He's got greater. And that He wants to lead you into more fullness, into His dreams, into His plans, where other people have maybe let you down, have led you down a way that's left you feeling disappointed and maybe disengaged. God wants to take you into greater. And again, it's a trust thing, like He can be trusted. So it's awesome to have you guys here tonight. and It's just so good to have everybody here who's new. Derek, so good to have you here. You are the man. We love having you. Bex and Yeah, from Canada, been here for like a month now, which is so good. It's just so good to have everybody here. You are valued and you are seen by your God, and he is amazing. Um, Why don't we thank our incredible team, eh? They're amazing. Well, we are in this series at the moment called Sold Out. And uh, Pastor Paul did an amazing message. Our senior pastor did an amazing message on this last week. Uh, all around uh, increasing our spirit. And uh, he spoke about how we have body, soul, and spirit. So the body is the physical part of who we are. Our spirit is the eternal part that is going to live on in heaven, and hopefully. And, uh, and then we've got the other part of who we are, our soul part. And uh, that is our inner person. And the Bible actually describes the soul part as our self Our creature, our person, our appetite, our mind, our living being, our desires, our emotion, our passion, that which breathes, the breathing substance or the inner being of a man or a woman. It's the seed of appetites, it's the seed of emotions and passions, it's the activity of the mind, will, and character. I love that. And we've got a God that's interested in every part of who we are. He's not just interested in our spirit, because uh, he is spirit. He is interested in our body, and he's interested in our soul, our inner person, our inner being. And he wants our soul to prosper. The Bible says as our soul prospers, we prosper. And uh, every area of our lives, God has called us to step into prosperity. And I, wanna, I really felt God speak to me tonight about doing a message called, Who's Lording Your Soul? Who's lording your soul? I had the incredible privilege of growing up on a dairy farm as a young girl until I was 15. I lived on this dairy farm. And one of the awesome things we got to do in primary school was have calf club days. And calf club days were where you brought a calf or a lamb along to school and it was your pet. And you had different rounds of competition, so you had the grooming round, which we never did well in as a family, because my mum was a real naturalist, and never let us have detergents on our pets, and uh, so there was always dirt there, because we had to use natural products. And then there was the cooling round, which was uh, where you had to stay like 15 metres away from your pet, and uh, somebody else would hold them, and then you called them to yourself, and then they had to follow you around the entire course, and then there was a lead round as well, we you had your pet on a leash and had to lead them round this course to see how well they followed you. And I still remember being a five-year-old girl, and it's our, our first calf club day. And I was the oldest child. So everything was an experiment on me. Any other oldest child, get what I'm meaning. Yes, that's it. And so we'd never done calf cut before. We were complete novices. And I remember being in the back of the car with our little lamb, my little lamb called Mary, real original. And uh, being in the back with this little uh, lamb and then going through the competition realms. And so we went through the leading uh, course, and that was pretty bad. I mean, I was dragging my lamb through the entire thing kind of whispering under my breath to this lamb like if you don't flip and follow me I'm gonna eat you for dinner tonight and that didn't work though that strategy so we went lost that round and then went into the next round which was the calling round and I still remember being this little girl and calling at the top of my lungs here let me here let me let me let and my, to my lamb that was like 15 meters away. And the person released my lamb and my lamb, instead of running, skipping to me joyfully like she was meant to, instead she did a U-turn around the person that had let her go and ran around the entire school. I still remember as this five-year-old girl running after this little lamb. My parents as well, running to try and catch this flipping lamb, thinking under my breath how good roast was gonna be that night. <laughs> So I grew up on a farm, so animals are there to be consumed, (laughs) not as (laughs) pets. But I remember (laughs) going home and mum and dad (laughs) saying to me, "Uh, look, that is not going to happen again. Next time we're going to know what to do. Next time we're really going to train this lamb. And I remember months before the, the next calf club, we went into serious training. Every morning I had to go out and feed this little lamb. We did things like I would go away like 10 meters and hold a bottle of milk and say, Here, lambie. And she would come running to the milk, and then you'd progress by hiding it behind your back. And she got to know that I was the source of milk. And eventually we ended up the next calf club, champions of the leading round, champions of the calling round. And every year we ended up being champions. I still have a huge box of these ribbons in my cupboard. We owned that calf club. But I remember learning this important lesson about learning to lead this lamb rather than it lead me. And I felt the whisper when I was preparing this week. I felt the whisper of the Holy Spirit saying, you know what? When it comes to our souls, are we allowing our souls just to run right? Are we allowing our soul just to do what it wants? Or are we bringing our soul under the lordship of our God? Are we allowing him to lead our souls? See, our souls, if left to its own device, will cause us... To do whatever feels great in the moment. Whatever feels good in that kind of time that we want to do something. Whatever feels great emotionally. Whatever feels great to our inner person. And when we live like that, when we're led by that, it can lead to so much brokenness. Because we make decisions based on what feels good in the moment rather than what's beneficial for our future. And we end up living from a place of trying to find wholeness in our soul by, um, I suppose, uh, abiding to it, giving into it, rather than allowing it to be led by someone who is so much greater. Someone who's actually the creator of our soul. See, if our soul is given control, it leads to us making decisions from a place of loneliness Anger, rejection, condemnation, shame, rejection, insecurity, selfishness, the list can go on and on. And when brokenness leads, it always leads to more brokenness. Now, Pastor Paul made an amazing point last week that the enemy operates in our soul realm. He gets a hold of our lives in our soul realm, and it's because we give him permission. It's because we let our souls just do whatever it wants rather than bringing it under the lordship of our God. See, our souls are all broken. Every one of us has a broken soul. Part of being human is living with our humanity, living with our broken souls. It's like Paul said... Uh, 1 Timothy 1 verse 15, the apostles of all apostles, like the man who wrote a lot of the New Testament says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came in the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. This incredible leader, but I am the worst of sinners. There's a brokenness in every single one of us. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 9, verse 11 to 13, when the Pharisees saw that he was eating with the tax collectors and sinners. And they said, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors with sinners? And Jesus overhearing it said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And when I first heard that, when I read the Bible, that verse for the first time, I was perplexed by it. I was like, well, God, that's pretty unfair. Like if you're healthy, you know, you don't really care about us. You're just there for those that really need you. And the more though I worked with people, realized who I was, the more I realized we're all broken. We are all unhealthy. That's what Jesus was referring to in that verse. If we come to him with a sense of, well, I've got it all together, God, and look at me, I'm all sorted, he doesn't respond to that. He actually wants our brokenness. He wants our humanity. He wants the rawness of who we are. See, when we make a decision to follow Jesus to become a Christian, our spirit is immediately transformed. In that moment, the Bible says we become his children We open up our lives, open up our spirit to him becoming our Lord, our Savior. We are redeemed because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of his sacrifice. We enter into his redemption. So our spirit is immediately transformed, but our soul is another matter. Our soul requires a process of change. Our soul requires a daily decision to surrender who we are, our will, our emotion, what I want, to His Lordship instead, to what He has called us to. Is this making sense? We're called to submit to Him. And it's a daily decision. And it takes time. It is a process. It's why all through the Old Testament and New Testament, Jesus, or God, is saying to his people, the first commandment, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul. Give me all of you, because it was always a choice to give him who we are. It's always our choice. Do we have him as the rightful place as Lord of our souls? Or do we see him as this mate that we kind of do life with? As this kind of... Guy that's there when I really need him, the one that I can fall back to when things get really rough. You know that one that's there is the comforter, that one that I can come to just as I am, which he is all those things. But above all that, he is Lord. He is King of Kings. He is Lord of Lords. He is Emmanuel. He is Alpha and Omega. He is the King of uh, this universe. He is the Creator. He is Almighty God. He, everything He knows, He is all-knowing. He is Lord. He is Lord. And we've got to see Him as Lord, not just friend. I mean, Pastor Craig made an amazing point in uh, prayer meeting tonight, how Jesus couldn't do any miracles in His hometown because they just saw Him as the carpenter's son. He was just the friend. He was the guy they'd just grown up with. And because they didn't recognize him as Lord, they couldn't step into the miraculous. Is he Lord? Is he Lord of our souls? Is he Lord of your soul? Because it's a daily choice to set him up as Lord. I mean, we see it in... Uh, Matthew 10 verse 28, it says, Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Come on, we don't often preach this kind of stuff in church, but it's the reality. Come on, our God, he's, He's an eternal. There's that eternal part of us. Come on, we've got to bring our soul. There's got to be this healthy fear, this healthy respect for who our God is. It's a daily decision to place him as Lord of our souls. And we see this in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. We demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Come on, that is allowing him to be Lord of our souls. Part of our souls is our thinking, our thoughts. Is he Lord of that area of our lives or we just thinking what we want to think? Come on, it's so easy just to get in this place of, well, I've always thought like that. That's my thinking patterns. But no, he's called us to a different way of thinking. Through his word, he's called us to take on his thoughts, his principles, his kingdom perspective. Are we taking that on when it comes to our thinking? Is he Lord of our minds? Or are we just letting our thinking do what it wants to do? Or just allowing our thoughts to run around scattered and crazy? Or is he Lord of our minds? Come on, he wants to be Lord of our thinking. Take captive every thought. Make it obey Christ. So come on, when fear comes in, does that line up with my God? No, it doesn't. So I'm going to make it obey the Word of God, which says, you know, there's no fear in him. Perfect love casts out all fear. Come on, what are we doing with our thoughts? Are our thoughts under his Lordship? Or are we just allowing our thoughts to do what they want? Psalm 43 verse 5. David speaking, again, this illustrates it. And he says, my soul, why are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. Come on, he was talking to his soul. Soul, get yourself in shape. Praise your creator. Come on, lift your eyes to where your help comes from. Come on, he's commanding his soul to praise his God. He's bringing his soul into submission to his lordship. I love, even Jesus did it. John 12, as he was about to go to the cross, and he says, My soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. See, even Jesus is bringing his soul into submission to the Father's will. Even he's talking to soul gain. No, even though I want this, there's something greater. There's a greater purpose in my own selfish need. I'm living for something more. Yeah. If Jesus did it, we've got to do it daily. Yeah. Now, that's why there are things that we struggle with as Christians. You know, a lot of people kind of will say, you know, when I made the decision to follow God, I thought things would get easier. You know, because He's this magnificent, incredible God who is able to do the miraculous, but he's also God that gives us free will in our soul. He gives us the ability, excuse me, to make choices, to, make, to choose daily who we want to serve. And because of that, there's a struggle often between our soul and our spirit. You know what we want to do versus what God has called us to do? There's a struggle that goes on. And it means daily we've got to surrender that struggle to our God and say, God, I don't want to live for myself. I don't want to live how my soul wants to live. So I'm surrendering it to you instead. And I'm going to live out of that place like Pastor Paul mentioned last week, out of my spirit realm instead. So if we let, I wrote this down, if we let our soul go unchecked, unsurrendered, Instead of being surrendered to a great God, we end up surrendered to sin. Sin is simply pretty much a fancy word for wrong things in our lives. Things that take us down a path of destruction that aren't God's best for our lives. It's a battle to bring our soul under his lordship. But it's a matter of what we surrender to. It's simply a matter of what we surrender to it. Romans uh, 6 verse 18 to 23 explains this so beautifully. I'm using an example. Again, this is Paul speaking from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and ever increasing wickedness, now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you've been saved Set free from sin and become slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness. The result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. How awesome is he? How awesome is that? The gift of God its eternal life. And he is a good God wanting to take us, to lead us into such good things. I love that in the Bible, it talks about how Jesus cried over the people in the Bible who were being led astray. And he described them as sheep without a shepherd. And he cried over them. See, sheep without a shepherd are exposed to predators, easily preyed upon. They go to pastures that aren't as green, that don't have the nutrients that they need. And when we step out, when we allow our soul to do what it wants, we step out of his lordship. It causes us like sheep without a shepherd to be exposed. Our souls are so easily deceived. Our souls are so easily deceived. You know, Zion this morning had, um, <clears throat> he did a trick on me where he got like a felt at pen and a red one, and colored in this is our eight year old son and colored in all his fingers red like at the ends of them, and then went and showed his dad what he'd done, and his dad helped him deceive me and uh, and so he put his fingers together in a certain way, and then came to me like he was crying, screaming, going, "Mom." Help! And so I freaked out in that moment. Like I went into full mum mode. Oh my gosh, buddy! Just screamed out. And then he's like, ha ha, tricked ya. And uh, it was just this pen that he'd put on his fingers. And I felt in that moment, God say, you know, in our souls, we are so easily deceived as well. There's something that presents itself that looks so inviting, so appetizing. Looks like it would fill that need in us that's been longing to be filled for so long. And we entertain that, we step into that, and wham, it's something completely different that leads to more brokenness and more destruction. Our souls are so easily deceived if we don't come under the great shepherd. I love what Jen Johnson says. She says, free will is dangerous. when not submitted to the mind of Christ. We have free will, but it can be dangerous for us. Where are we submitting it? Our soul needs great leadership. I love what Psalm 23, verse 2 to 4 says. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. Come on, he leads us to green pastures. He is the Good Shepherd. He is so good. He promises to give our soul rest, that our souls would prosper in Him. Psalm 84 verse 2, My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Psalm uh, 42 verse 1, As the deer pants longingly for the water springs, so my soul pants longingly for you, O God. There is nothing like Him to satisfy our souls to satisfy that deep place. He is the source that we need. Now I taught my lamb to follow me by revealing to the lamb, by teaching the lamb where her source came from. We learn to follow him when we realize that he is our source, that he is what our soul longs for. You know, to break it down a little bit more, this can be such an easy thing to do, but our soul can get lonely at times. And it can be easy in that loneliness and that solitude to look for other things, to get on Tinder, to go out to a nightclub, hook up with a person, sleep with them. You know, it makes us feel awesome in that moment. It makes us feel like maybe that we're loved, but at the end, it leaves us even more broken because people let us down. Leaves us feeling like, does anybody love me when someone betrays us in that moment? And we end up going from more and more brokenness because our soul is leading. But when we're in that place, what we've got to do is instead of loneliness leading us in that moment to bring our soul under His Lordship. And when we do that, we go to Him as our source. We go to Him crying out, going, God, this is how I'm feeling. I need you right now. Would you meet me in that spot? Would you, would you fill that source of what's going on in my life right now? Would you meet me? I'm going to get on the phone to other Christians that love you, that are good for me. I'm going to get accountability in this area. And instead of allowing our soul to lead us, we allow our soul to come into his lordship. You know, when anger hits and the temptation is to be led out of that soul emotion, instead of allowing anger to lead us, we step back from that moment and go, you know what? My soul is under his lordship, so I'm going to allow him to determine how I react in this moment. And he says to be slow to anger, so I'm going to step back from my children that I just want to discipline quite severely in this moment right now. I'm going to step back and I'm going, go, God, how do you want me to react in this situation? Allow my soul to come under his lordship. You know, if we're given an amazing opportunity, instead of looking at it and going, well, what does my soul want in that? What looks good for me? What feels good in the moment like we can so easily do? It's going, actually, God, what are you saying in this? Is this an opportunity that's going to lead for expansion in your kingdom? Is this going to lead me to your call? Is this going to lead me to influencing others? Is this going to lead me to where you're calling me to? Come on, bring our soul under his lordship. Is that making sense? And you know what? I find the greatest thing that separates our soul from his lordship is our pride. It's our pride. The definition of pride is a high opinion of one's own ability, having an an exaggerated sense of one's own importance, security in one's own capacity, trusting in oneself. And it isolates our soul from his lordship because we trust ourselves more than we trust him. Because we've got this. I'm able We got this sorted. Who knows, though, that pride can cost us so much. You look at the example of the 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 Titanic. There was so much pride in how that ship was built. I mean, there'd been nothing like it built. It was the unsinkable ship. $7.5 million was spent back in the day to build this ship, which is estimated to be equivalent to $174 million today it took just to transport the one of the anchors 20 horses that one of the anchors was that heavy and there was so much pride in the the manufacturing the 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 manpower that went into building the ship that they thought it was unsinkable so only 20 lifeboats went on to the ship which meant that when it did sink they had six six iceberg warnings leading up to before the ship struck the iceberg. And then when they started filling the lifeboats, they didn't fill enough because they thought, well, we're not actually really sinking. Like, how can the Titanic be sinking? So only, fifth, sorry, only 32 people ended up surviving. But if all the lifeboats had been filled, 53% would have ended up being uh, saved, being rescued. How amazing. Our pride can cost us so much. If you look through the Bible... Pride costs people incredibly. We've been studying the Old Testament lately and the, the history of Israel. Pride costs them greatly. Dependency on their own selves. And the Bible describes it as them doing what was right in their own eyes. Every time they thought they were doing great and they were prosperous, they started to do what they wanted to do instead of leaning, instead of depending on their God And they did what was right in their own eyes. And so God took away his blessing and they ended up going into destruction again. And there's this pattern that just keeps reoccurring. You see it with the kings that are mentioned in the Old Testament. Every king that's mentioned that did great, it says that he trusted in his God. Every king that didn't do great, it says he did what um, was right in his own eyes. Come on, do we do that? Do we do what's right in our own eyes? Rather than trusting our God. Rather than living dependent on him. Proverbs 18 verse 12 said pride first then the crash. But humility is a precursor to honor. Look at the example of King David and Saul. Saul lost his humility. King David always kept it. Even when he slipped up he came back to God in that state of humility. Like God I have stuffed up. I need you. And because of that God blessed him greatly. Come on, are we living out of pride or humility, that dependency on our God? And if you look at how shepherds are used to operate, if a lamb or a sheep were to keep separating themselves from the herd and wanting to do their own thing, be independent, what the shepherd would do is break the lamb's leg or the sheep's leg to teach it dependency. It would then carry it round on its uh, back. It would sleep with the lamb, sleep with the sheep until the lamb learned that the shepherd was good. The shepherd could be depended upon. The shepherd was safe. The shepherd was going to lead them to good pasture. And then when the leg healed, the sheep, the lamb was released. And when it was released, it kept its dependency on the shepherd and didn't try and do its own thing. Sometimes I, I reckon God lets us go through some stuff sometimes to show us, come on, you can try and do your own thing, but at the end of the day, you've got to come back to me because I'm dependable. I am the good shepherd. I am trustworthy. I'm going to lead you to green pastures, but would you trust me? Rather than trust yourselves, would you trust me? We need to learn dependency. Psalm 51, verse 17, the message version says this going through the motions doesn't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart shattered lives ready for love. Don't for a moment escape God's notice. How beautiful is that? Heart shattered lives looking for God. Don't for a, motive, no, uh, don't for a moment escape his notice. Amazing. Do we come from that place or do we come from a place of trying to have it all together? Dependency. If the band could come up, please, that'd be awesome. Dependency is acknowledging our need for Him. Going to Him is our source, pouring out Our soul to him, the Bible says. David says this. I remember as I pour out my soul to you. 1 Samuel 1 verse 15. Hannah, who can have no children, she's at the temple pouring out her soul before her God. Being vulnerable before him, saying, God, I I haven't got this together. God, I need you. Come on, I find though, instead of pouring out our complaints to God, we pour them out to each other. Come on, he wants us to be vulnerable with him. To pour out our souls to actually, you know what? He actually builds with brokenness. An amazing example of this is in 1 Corinthians, uh, Chronicles 22. When David makes a big mistake and fights all the counting men, which represents his trust in the army rather than God. And they go through a time, the Israelites, where a plague is sent against Israel. And many people lose their lives. And David cries out to, for, to God in a place. And the angel stops the plague. And the angel, uh, the place where the angel stops the plague, becomes the place where the temple is built. And the temple, where the temple is built, it it represents a place where God's presence dwells—a foundation of atonement, forgiveness, reconciliation, and prayer. God builds with our brokenness. He builds with our realness. He builds with us being truthful with Him. But a posture of surrender. A true posture of surrender requires change. True repentance is found in change. Not just feeling sorry for what we did, but going, God, I'm going to change. You know, the biggest challenge I find as a pastor in working with people, people overcoming things, stepping into victory in their lives, is not how great the obstacle has been, not how great their past has been in terms of turmoil and trouble, not how much support they have around them, the number one thing is how much they really want to change. How much do you really want to change? Or how much have you got used to the brokenness that's in your soul? Because you've always lived with it. You've always known it. Or you're in a place where you're going, you know what, God? I'm over that and I'm surrendering my soul to your Lordship because I truly want to change. No brokenness. No brokenness. Can be something that's so easy to live with. So we get used to it for so long, and it actually starts to become our identity. Becomes what we get attention for. It was funny the a few weeks ago. Hope our daughter. She uh she this wasn't the funny part. She had an accident. She fell over and grazed her hand and. And I overheard uh, Craig praying with her that night as I walked past her bedroom and Craig's praying that Jesus would heal her arm. And uh, then I heard Hope pipe up in this prayer and say, yeah, but God, not by tomorrow because I want to show all of Kids Church. And I thought in that moment, how true of, of us is that, that same posture that, hey, that, that brokenness that's in me. It's got me attention for so long. It's become my identity. It's become what I've always known, and we hold on to it. We nurse it. It's our comfort, rather than releasing it, surrendering it to our God, and allowing Him to heal us. Coming to Him from a place of, "Hey, God, I actually need You to move in this area of my life. I want complete victory. I want complete change, and I'm not allowing this to be an excuse anymore." Come on, how how often is the brokenness in our soul an excuse for being stuck? an excuse for our failure, an excuse because that's what we've always known. And I believe tonight, God just wants to do something fresh. He wants to break areas of brokenness in our soul. Come on, we've all got areas where there's brokenness. We've all got areas where we know that maybe God is the the Lord in that part of our soul. And I really feel tonight we're going to have a moment of ministry. And I really feel like God just wants to speak, wants to breathe His presence into those areas of our lives. Come on, I know that God would have been speaking to certain areas in our lives during the message, and even now He's going to speak. But I just believe there's breakthrough that He wants to bring tonight. He wants to bring true change. He wants to be the true Lord of our souls. So come on, why do we stand to our feet? <clears throat> And I'm going to ask our prayer team just to come to the front, which would be awesome. And as the team ministers tonight, the song, we're just going to open up the altar. And I'd love you just to be vulnerable tonight, to come down, to get prayer, to be real about what's going on in your soul, where there needs to be victory, where His hand needs to lead you, guide you, where He needs to be Lord of your soul realm. So come on, why don't we lift our hands? If you're comfortable, why don't you lift your hands to heaven? God, I just pray in this moment that you would move. Holy Spirit, we come before you and we just pray. God, those areas of our lives, we feel like, man, we're battling. We feel like there is not a victory in this area of our soul realm. Right now, God, I pray for your divine intervention. God, I pray that you'd bring breakthrough. I pray that you'd bring victory. God, as we come before You, we surrender in a new way. God, I pray that You would speak, that You would bring healing, that You would bring Your hope, that You would bring Your Lordship. In Jesus' Name, in Jesus' Name. Come on, if you'd love prayer tonight for any area of your soul realm, why don't you come down the front to one of our team and the band's gonna minister to us with this beautiful song.